Pod 92. Hello, my loves. How are you? I hope you're doing really, really well and that you've had a really great week. Another dollop of inspiration for you this week. It's just coming thick and fast. Can't get enough of them. If, by the way, you want more of this, don't forget you can subscribe to us on iTunes or find us passionpods.co.uk, whole back catalogue. As I say, this is Passion Pod 92. So if you're looking for something to fill your time, why not cruise through that? So this week, courtesy of Bridget. Now, Bridget is a journalist by trade. She also started working for a charity, volunteering and doing bits and pieces like that, who she now has ended up working for. And in between that, she's also sandwiched in founding a film club. So this is a lady that doesn't twiddle her thumbs too much, I'd imagine. Yeah, very interesting story, and especially a bit like our one a couple of weeks ago with Steffi. It was really great to chat to Bridget, to someone who's pursued a job that has been passion-led in the first place. You know, journalism, you have to really want to do that if you're going to succeed, which she has done amazingly well in. But then just being mindful of when that sort of slightly changes or you want to tweak it a bit, how that can pan out, quite an interesting one. By no means does not doing a nine-to-five mean that you've got that sorted for the rest of your life. An all-too-familiar feeling, that is for sure. Anyway, enough of my yabbing on. Bridget! So, Bridget, tell me, we're sort of journalist, film club founder. Well, I'm definitely a bit of a jack-of-all-trades. I even had an email yesterday, someone saying, I don't understand all the different hats you wear. And I'm like, Nor do I sometimes. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, I think journalist and businesswoman is a great start. And I'm also currently the deputy director of Free the Children UK, which is a Canadian charity that has a UK office. And that is a new move. I'm just rounding up week three. So super new. So very, very new after... I mean, I've been a working journalist since I was 16, if you want to count high school newspaper, local paper. I think I'm a writer. I'm a you know, creative person and a writer. That was a good one. <laughs> Very impressed to sum up all the hats in such a slick way. Um, so let's take us back. You're talking about doing journalism right from the age of 16. So that's something that you obviously knew that you kind of always wanted to do. Yeah, my mum was a trained journalist. My brother is a journalist. Oh my gosh, something in the water. I am a journalist as well. (laughs) And I spent about eight years at Vanity Fair, at Condé Nast in London. So did you do training in journalism? Was it something that you sort of... I didn't. And I think that was the right choice, though I think there is no right choice. But I grew up in Canada and in North America... Most colleges are liberal arts colleges. I did an English degree, major in English, minor in women's studies. And I think I appreciate the North American approach where, you know, I took sociology classes, political science classes, psychology classes, and you really get this mix of experiences. And then I moved over. My mum was born in the UK, so I'm a dual citizen. Okay. And after college, I, I had it in my head that I wanted to move over to the UK or move to New York in that sort of big city way that a lot of small town girls think. And London and the UK made more sense because of my citizenship. Much easier, yeah. And so I applied for some master's programs and got into Oxford to do an English master's. Wow. Which was really exciting. And I moved over in 2008, was an intern at Condé Nast for that summer, and then started at Oxford the autumn of 2008 
and then finished up my degree and got the full-time job at Vanity Fair. I mean, lovely <laughs> done, that, actually, isn't it? It's like, and that's how you do it, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an amazing sort of, um, yeah, storyline of events. I mean, it's, it, considering the industry being notoriously competitive. I actually, I did a year exchange program through uh, something called Fulbright, which is, it's a exchange program that's been around for years and American schools are incredible at keeping records of their alumni the you know the the big American schools Harvard Yale it's just all about that alumni connection and so I spent a few days and sat in our alumni office and literally wrote down every single alumni who worked in magazines uh, newspapers book publishing I think I wrote down about 200 names and I cold emailed about 200 uh, alums saying, Hi, um, uh, Hi, you want me? Yeah, pretty much. And, and actually, I had um, written a short story that won an award in my third year of college. So I used that as the sort of my in. And I asked what alumni thought if I should try to seek getting that story published or if I should just let it go as like a little undergraduate story and be happy with that and move on or whether I should try to push that story with having the award behind it and try to get it published like in an anthology so that was my in and then also do you have any career advice how did you get your start opens up the conversation exactly and and so many people wrote back and were so supportive but one in particular a woman who was an alumni of that college who was American but now lived in London and we, I mean, I don't recommend this as being your way into journalism because it <laughs> took a lot of time, but we uh, struck up a friendship for about two years. Yeah. And she was the one who gave my CV to someone at Condé Nast to get my foot in the door to get that interview for an internship. And we had been emailing for about a year before that happened. But I think that's not unusual, sweet. I really don't. Like, if I think of the jobs I've done, I mean, literally, emails <laughs> more than two years worth. Yeah. Just dripping tap and reminding people that you're there, isn't it? I think. And I think that's a really good piece of advice. And I forget to do that sometimes. But if you've met somebody, you know, just drop them a line every once in a while. This is what I've been up to. I did this, and it doesn't have to be that North America, I did this, I did that, I don't mean it like that, but just drop somebody a line and and update them on what you're up to. It makes you feel good as well to receive that email and to think that somebody younger is sort of looking up to you to tell you what they're up to. And, And, you know, valuing your wisdom. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, play, especially, gosh, writers and creatives, we're all insecure, play to our ego, Ask for some advice. Very few people are, are too busy to, you know, have a 20-minute coffee, to shoot over a few ideas via email, to link you up with somebody. And you never know that email that you send six months later, they might have had a meeting the week before and think, actually, that girl would be great for that intern that was brought up in, in a meeting last week. And You're in their front of their mind. Exactly. Yeah. And maybe nothing comes to it, but how long does it take you to write a three-minute email saying, I ran this event last week and it went really well? It's so worth it. You never know what's going to come from it. Exactly. So take us then from that through to where you are now to free the children. Tell, tell Just that last little bit then of your journey, because you're still writing. Absolutely. So I think the thing about journalism, which makes it such an amazing career being a writer 
is you can do it anywhere you can do it in any way and people always say that if you want to write a book if you want to write a movie if you want to write a play just do it and now there are so many ways. I was listening to a podcast the other day with uh, Rachel Bloom, okay. who created um, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, this American show that's doing really, really well. And that started, she did YouTube videos where she made hilarious spoofs on her favorite songs. And I think there's a lot more space now for people having unusual entries into careers like journalism, like TV, where you get picked up because you've been writing a blog. Look, it doesn't happen to everyone. It's a very competitive market. Your blog has to be better than the 10 million out there. But you can do that and you couldn't do that 20 years ago. And I also think there's a lot more openness where companies like Condé Nast, yeah, I mean, I'm biased. I still think Condé Nast is the greatest magazine publisher in the world and it's the behemoth. But, you know, you've got Vice, you've got Refinery29, you've got blogs that are having incredible traffic. And I think I know from having, you know, worked at one of the, the big kids for a while, you'll go to meetings or go to events and the bloggers and the vloggers and the smaller public, they're all at the table too. And people I don't think are as concerned anymore about, you know, what publication do you write for? Just write. It's absolutely true. Um, I didn't actually answer your question. How no, no, I that's guess? good. But your, so your role here at, at Free the Children isn't based on writing though, is it? So Absolutely. And I think my job at Vanity Fair was editing, it was events, it was admin, and my real passion was the writing side. So... I had done that for eight years, really knew that what I loved the most was the writing side and the contributors who I worked with and thought, you know what, I can probably still do that from my home, from my laptop. Get that fixed. Exactly. And the next step for me was learning more about management, learning more about business, and also feeling really great about what I do. And I think, again, at Vanity Fair, I loved working at Vanity Fair, and I came into work every day so proud. Vanity Fair had been one of those titles that was a pipe dream. I still remember my fourth year of college, my boyfriend at the time, he had just been offered this postdoc at MIT, and he was uh, in the computer science world and the science world, and to go study at MIT, that was like the dream. And he was considering not taking it. And I was like, Andy, what are you doing? Like, is that not your dream job? And he was like, oh, I don't know. And he was like, well, I mean, what is a dream job? Like, do you have a dream job? And I was like, yeah, it's to be a contributing editor at Vanity Fair. Oh, you're giving me goosebumps. Like, that is amazing. Wow. So I think having that time working there, I never took it for granted. It was definitely the dream. But I also learned the dream was writing for a publication like that. And I think... It was time to try something new. Free the Children is a Canadian charity that I had been involved with as a youth member. Wow, it's got a long connection. I have been involved in Free the Children since 1998. Wow. So it's basically you're pulling on one of your other passions, really. Absolutely. If you don't mind me sort of putting words in your mouth. But that's kind of what is happening. It's just that you're just ready to sort of scratch the other itch slightly. I, I think that's a nice way of looking at <laughs> kind it. Kind of. <laughs> scratch an itch, I don't know. But yeah, it's like it's not like anything new. It's just that you're 
pushing one up into a bit more of the foreground perhaps. yeah and I think we haven't really talked about it, but to pull from film club so a few yeah, years ago back in 2013 a friend and I we co-founded a film club where we work with young and up-and-coming filmmakers and screen their films so we do five screenings a year at the Mayfair Hotel and this year we're doing five screenings at Embassy Gardens which is a new property development in Vauxhall so that's really exciting we've just doubled our output for this year just making your life really simple absolutely <laughs> kick back relax exactly horizontal oh, yeah <laughs> no it's really exciting and that I definitely approached from like a business angle from an events angle but also I got into film as a writer you know after watching films and watching plays and thinking oh my gosh how did that writer do that how did you know they take a concept and put it onto the page and then put it onto the screen and I go to the theater a lot and I love watching audiences and being like this is when they're bored this is when it's really working that and I really try to approach theater and film as a writer and thinking huh okay that's really cool how that worked I would never have thought of that idea would work in that way or to visualize that idea in that way so I was quite passionate about film you can hear in the way you speak about it though is you're just fascinated in the medium of all of that but also I come I think actually to connect for the children what I learned at Free the Children were well, so many things. Uh, one of being to be confident in public and to public speak and to get up in front of audiences, which is something I have to do a lot at film clubs. After we screen the film, we do a Q&A with the filmmaker, one of the actors, in front of 200 people. And that's wow, never love. been something that's daunted me. And I think that goes back to at 12, 13, 14 having to stand in front of my school or stand in front of other schools when I was involved in Free the Children. And we just had to get up and do that. And so it never, ever crossed my mind that public speaking was something that was a problem or you should be nervous about. And then also one of the main things you do if you're involved in Free the Children is organize events. So we used to organize drives for school supplies or medical supplies that would get sent over to projects overseas that the charity was working on and being 13 and coordinating 500 Ziploc bags of school supplies to send to Rwanda you learn a lot of different skills and so now in my late 20s organizing the delivery of 200 bags of popcorn for a film screening all comes very naturally. <laughs> but I love the synergy of you now also being at the other end of the Free the Children whole programme. That's incredible because, you know, you say all these different, ha- different hats that you wear, but not only is it the skill base, but it's just all revolving around a kind of central pin of different bits and pieces. But the, the theme of it, I don't Absolutely. know. It does all connect. And I think working on the film club and building a small business taught me that I really liked that and that... I liked, I like being in charge. Oh, hey, you're all access then. <laughs> you're in good company there. Bossy boots, supreme right here. <laughs> so I like being out of action things. I like having agency. I like coming up with an idea and then being like, should we do it? So I run the film club with one other girl, Fatima Martinez. We have an idea. It can be a, a tiny idea. You know, should we print menus for the drinks? It can be a big idea. Should we contact this brand to see if they'll fly the director over? And we can just do that. There's nobody else we have to run that by. And I think having that 
agency is a really powerful and important thing. And so I think this job for the children is a progression of that. Absolutely. And learning that I like trying to you know, make decisions, trying to action things, trying to help people be better at things. Uh, when I left Vandy Fair, our publisher gave a little speech and one of the things that she mentioned was she came to film club one night. She said the thing that she noticed the most is we have sort of four or five college students who help us out and have helped us out since we started. And I adore all of them and would do anything for all of them and spend a lot of time chatting with them, hanging out with them, you know, taking them out to coffee and really care about their careers. And our publisher mentioned how much she saw that they notice that and kind of don't want to overcomplicate my importance, but seem to look up to to me. The mentoring type role. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that is a really exciting element of this role here for the children. It's a young team. We've got 41 who are working on the team as well as me. And it's really exciting to see all these people who have that same passion for what the organization does, what we can accomplish, and to be able to work with all of those people to try to you know, make the world a better place. Definitely, but that's the thing that's running through everything. It's that energy, isn't it? And harnessing that, whatever environment it's in. It's awesome. It's so great. Um, Sweet, tell me, this is all the great side of it. What have you found the most challenging thing? Doing your own thing in general, I guess, because it applies across the board. But yeah, what, what challenges have you found trickiest? That's a great question, I think. I hate to say this because it sounds like one of those cop-out questions that you use in an interview to say, I'm too organized, but I am not someone who can say no. And that's been brought up so many times in reviews at Vanity Fair and in conversations with my co-partner of Film Club. And saying no is not a bad thing. And saying no is you being in charge of your schedule is you being reasonable at what you can deliver. And the worst thing to do is to say yes to something and not deliver on that. And I think I'm still working on it, but I always viewed saying no as being a weakness and it being something that you said when you know, you didn't work hard enough to put those extra hours, you didn't get up early enough so that you could fit in that freelance piece before you started the day and definitely and did a gym class and counseled a friend and I mean it is it's the list of everything isn't absolutely it? and I've definitely had those days where my day starts at you know 5 a.m and it does involve writing a story from 5 till 6 30 and then going to the gym from 6 30 to 7 30 and then going to a meeting for film club before work and then getting into work at 9 30 and feeling like you've already had a full day and it's only 9 30 and that can be really invigorating and exciting, but also it's not healthy to do that every day and is great and liberating to say no. Don't you think a lot of that comes with your um, sort of confidence in what you're doing though as well? You know, the more that you're doing stuff, the more you feel strong enough to say, actually, I know what works or doesn't work Well, that me. I think is a really great point. And having confidence that if you say no to that one project, it's going to be okay because it's going, there's going to be another one. And I think that's something that I've really struggled with, with you know the last few years moving over to London from Nova Scotia, Canada, not having much of a base here and having to build and work really hard and hustle really hard to build that you definitely have a fear 
of saying no to something and then the next time that person asks somebody else and I definitely have had to have those hard conversations with myself about is this worth not is this worth my time and I also think perhaps I don't know if you've got any tips on it it's how you you know choose what the right thing is to do that that sort of feeds into that really when especially when you're juggling you know now when you say yes to a freelance journalist piece or what you need to put into film club I don't know if you have any ways in which you've found help manage that sure well I think you do have to to be honest with yourself about what interests you and what you're best at and also I think for journalism I think with online and with the way the industry is changing people aren't as specialized as maybe they were you know 10-15 years ago with journalism and you can be somebody who writes a party piece and also writes a political piece but I also think specializing you know we can't be good at everything and sometimes you know, stop have a think what are your top interests okay so I know for me it's arts and culture so I've sort of been trying to put my face forward as an arts and culture journalist sure that spills over every once in a while it might be a restaurant or a beauty piece because who doesn't want to say yes to you know a complimentary facial to review absolutely it's like gonna make the most of the perks absolutely but at the end of the day I want, if there's a meeting going on and someone's saying, who's a really good culture journalist? Oh, Bridget, she would be perfect. She did that piece about that playwright and we really love that. And I think knowing again from being on the other side of being in those meetings where you're commissioning people, you do think, you think, what have I read lately that's similar to that story that I'm commissioning? And if you're not positioning yourself as an expert in a subject, you're not going to be thought of for those commissions because the people in those meetings are not going to have a clear-cut idea of of what you do or what your expertise is and you're potentially going to be overlooked so I think you know you don't want to pigeonhole yourself too much and feel like you can only write about x subject but I think that's one great way to manage your schedule a bit be a bit more clear about what kind of for me, journalist, writer, you want to be what your specialty is, what you want people to be connecting you with. Sort of picky, I guess. Again, it's that kind of thing of just being a bit mindful about what you're saying yes to. Also, the reality is you can't be good at everything. You can't know everything about everything. So if I was given a really complicated political assignment right now, I would struggle with that. Play with your strengths. Absolutely. And... That would show, and I'm sure I would not write as strong of a piece as if someone said, can you write a piece about the top five playwrights working in London right now? I would love doing that. I could, you know, think of 20 right now if you asked me to, if you asked me to do something that didn't play to my knowledge base and strengths. Suddenly, even to start that piece is so much more work, background, research, reaching out to people who perhaps I don't have contacts in because that's not an area that I've worked in before. So you're already setting yourself up for a lot more work. And unfortunately, you're probably not going to write as strong of a piece. It's back to the whole thing, I think, as well, which is something that runs through so many of these conversations that I have is, you know, what you love 
you're just going to do really great with it because Absolutely. that comes out. It comes out in your writing, in your making, in your talking, whatever it is. I believe, anyway, that energy is just totally infectious and that translates in any medium, I think. Um, Bridget, tell me advice. What advice do you wish... <laughs> if only we could record the facial expression with that. That's brilliant. What advice do you wish you'd been given that would have been handy, perhaps, for you when you started all of this off? Sometimes... I need to take a deep breath and not be so focused on what I wanted to do. And I think a little bit of what we already talked about, but there's a lot of ways into what we want to do now. And also there's a lot more things to do. I grew up in a small town where most people were, most people went to school, were lawyers, doctors, professional degrees. And I didn't even know what a stylist was or what a vlogger. I mean, vloggers didn't exist then. Yeah, we're showing our age. <laughs> yeah, I know. So I think there are a lot of different jobs out there. And you never, ever know what's going to be the one that sticks for you. And one might stick with you for five years. And then you realize that your strengths take you in another direction. So for me, I learned that I prefer the writing side than the editing side. Having control of my own copy and working with a great editor to make my stories better and a great editor definitely can and does do that. So sometimes you think you're gonna love something and it doesn't play to your skills in the way that you want it to and that's okay. I think it's great to acknowledge when something doesn't work and I'm always a big fan of learning from what doesn't work and I definitely you know, with someone in college who knew the three schools that I wanted to go to for graduate school and when I was in high school knew the three companies that I wanted to work for and I wish someone had told me to take a deep breath and if I didn't go to one of those colleges it was still going to be okay. When I was in undergraduate, I applied for the Rhodes Scholarship, which is a scholarship at Oxford, and I didn't get it. And I I think I cried for about three months. And I just felt like it was this huge... Sort of, you feel like it's the first time you've... Well, I don't know, but failure, I hate to use that word. But I think we have such a battle with this word. We need to invent a good word for failure, because I'm hopeless at that. And I think if you put yourself out there and if you try anything, you're going to fail or it's not going to work out in the way you thought it was going to, that it's just a learning experience. You just never know. I think that's one thing that I've really had the pleasure of learning over the past 10 years. That person that you met, you know, on a press trip three years ago, who then it turns out calls you one day because they're starting up a, a magazine and would you like to contribute or uh, I've been writing a fair bit for House and Garden uh, magazine and online and House and Garden was on the same floor as Vanity Fair at Condé Nast and I was literally in the ladies bathroom chatting with one of the girls uh, a few days before I was leaving and she was like you should pitch to us and I was like, okay, okay. While you're washing your hands. Yeah. I love it. That's such a great image. And now it's one of the places that I'm actually pitching and oh, writing wow. for the most. And definitely didn't expect that. You just never know.
so great to share her adventures. Like, it's such an extraordinary story. That's what I love about these. You know, it's, you just don't get told this stuff in school. It's like, they make it out so much like it's go to this, do that, then that will happen, then that will happen. I just, the more and more I chat to people, the more and more I just think, that is just not how it rolls, is it? Why is it so different in real life from how we're told it is at school? Anyway, lots to be done on that. Don't start me. Thank you very much to Bridget. Next week, another one for you. We're chatting to the founder, who's a guy, actually, and I suddenly realised we haven't had a bloke on here, I don't think, all year. Not on purpose at all. But there's definitely been more of a throng from the gals, which is no bad thing. Um, But very much looking forward to chatting to him next week. He's the founder of a superfood product, but also kind of part charity. So lots of awesome and inspiring things to share there, that's for sure. Uh, So make sure you join us. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. Just type in Passion Pods or find us on Twitter and Facebook. Passion Pods. Not too complicated. Like to keep things as simple as we can. Uh, So find us on there. Always love hearing from you. In the meantime, I hope you have a real goodie. (laughs) 